Hello, and thanks for joining us on the Christian Celebration Center podcast. Our prayer is that this audio will encourage you in Christ and challenge you from God's Word. Enjoy the message. Please stand for the reading of God's Word, and as you do, open your Bible, either paper form or downloaded form, if you've previously done that, uh, to Revelation chapter 3. It's going to be easy to find. If you're new to the Bible, it's the last book in our scriptures. It's called Revelation, and we're going to turn to chapter 3 this morning for our message. We're going to begin by reading just the 13th verse, the 13th verse of Revelation chapter 3. This is Jesus, our Lord and Savior, speaking. This is what he says. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Do you have ears to hear? Lord, I pray that you would help us to have spiritual ears to hear what you're saying. Not, not just this morning, but tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day, throughout this entire year. Lord, give us ears to hear. Help us to be in tune with what it is that you're wanting to get across to us. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, you say amen. 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 You can be seated. Does anybody here know the ABC song? Remember that? I've been asking around a little bit, and it seems like everybody knows it. A, B, C, D, F, G. Everybody knows that song. And I don't know if you can remember when you learned it. I mean, it seems like it was pretty early. I think I was seventh grade or something. No, I'm joking. Hopefully it was earlier than that. But, but people are learning it young. Lacey thinks that maybe it was in preschool when she learned it. Uh, she was a pretty quick learner. So, so maybe some of us was like second and third grade. But then others, maybe it was Sesame Street or Mr. Rogers or whatever it was. You learned the ABC song, and that might even be one of your earliest memories. I was thinking about that. I was like, I can't remember that memory of learning that song, but I do remember one early memory, and I was in kindergarten or first grade. I think I remember it because it was the first time that I got in trouble at school. Uh, first time, not the last time. And I remember it because I had figured out that in the office, school office, they were selling pencils. And so I would go there purchase the pencil, I forget how much it cost, purchase the pencil, come back to my classroom, and then I was selling pencils to classmates and making profit. And, and it was going great until somebody told on me, and I remember, I still remember this, kindergarten, first grade, getting called out of the classroom, like, whoa, what's going on? Called out of the classroom into the hallway, and, and I was told that, uh, basically I was told that that was going to be my first interaction with cancel culture uh, because my booming pencil business was now canceled and I was, I was, it was illegal now. I couldn't do it anymore and I was so bummed about that. But looking back, I think that might have been one of the best things that happened to me because if I had gone down that dark road, dropped out of kindergarten, started selling number two pencils on the street, can you imagine where that would end? Ah, don't even want to think about that. God's so good. That's one of my earlier memories. I don't remember learning the ABCs, but it was good that my pencil business was canceled so that I could probably focus in on learning the ABCs. We know those are the building blocks, right? Building blocks for words, for sentences, for communication. Without the ABCs in the English language, forget it. We're not going to be able to communicate. It, 
is truly the foundation of our language. Now, we are launching into this series called Now More Than Ever, and you might be wondering what in the world does Now More Than Ever have with the ABCs? Well, let me just say this. I believe that God, and I said this last week, is bringing us across a threshold where uh, you are going to experience, by his grace, growth in your faith, growth in your impact, growth in your marriage, if you're married, growth in your friendships and relationships, that you're going to experience God moving in your life now more than ever. And we would all agree that as we look at this world, we know that we need God now more than ever. So how are we going to experience this? How are we going to experience now more than ever in our lives, in our church? Well, that's where the ABCs come in. The ABCs of what God has for us and how we can actually live out. And it's really as simple as the ABCs. It's really as practical and simple to understand as the ABCs. When we see these ABCs throughout Scripture, we even see them in the last book of the Bible in Revelation, specifically in chapters 2 and 3. And if you are uh, familiar with the book of Revelation, if any of you understand all of it, talk to me afterwards. I want to get your autograph. But in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, we have this very unique part in Scripture. I love these two chapters where Jesus sends letters, sends messages to seven real-life first century churches. Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamon and Thyatira and Sardis and, and Laodicea and Philadelphia. They just sends them to seven specific literal first century churches. And in each one of these letters, he has specific direction, timely instruction for that church. And he also shares with them characteristics that are present in their church and characteristics that are absent in their church. And he does this specific special letter to each of them, but he ends each one of these seven letters with this statement that we read a moment ago. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches, plural. And so Jesus sending, sent a message to each of these individual churches, but was sent it to them so that all churches could be impacted by the words that he had for them. It's amazing how God's word works, living and active. And it was for those churches in modern, in, in what was Asia Minor at that time and now is present day Turkey, but applicable to every single one of us. Imagine that, Jesus sending a letter, a message through, his, through the Apostle John to that church. Let me ask you this. Imagine if Jesus sent you a message. I mean, literally think about that right now. If, if you tomorrow got your phone out, and you had a text message or a DM or an email from Jesus. First of all, hopefully he's in your contacts. That's all I'm saying. But you open that up. Can you just imagine that for a moment? Like, what would Jesus say? What would he say to you? What would be promises that he's like, you need to hear this today? What, what would be characteristics that he sees present in you? And he's like, yes. What would be characteristics that he might find missing? That he's like, hey, this, this, you, need to, you need to grow in this area. Imagine if Jesus sent you a message. Well, Jesus sent a very specific message to the church 
And this morning, looking at the church in Philadelphia, not Pennsylvania, but Asia Minor in first century. And in this letter, he outlines some things that were very important for them to know. But before he did that, he let them know who was sending the letter. Who was giving the message? Have you ever got a text message from an unknown number? It's not, they, they, they think you have their name and number in your contacts, but it's not. And so it's an unknown number or it's just a number that you don't know whose it is. And you look at that and you're like, wow, that's a cool message. But awkwardly you're like, I don't know, what, what do I say? Do I say, hey, I uh, have no idea who you are. Do I say, hey, could you tell me your name again? Or do I act like I do have them in my contacts and be like, hey, thanks a lot, that's awesome. What do you do? Well, Jesus took care of that problem when he sent this message to these churches. He started out by saying who the message is from. He said this, verse 7, these are the words of him who is holy, meaning set apart, completely separate, like in a place all by himself, holy, perfect, pure. Jesus says, okay, this is not a normal letter. This is a letter from the one who is holiness. And the one who is true, the one from whom truth comes. All truth for all people, for all times, for all places. The essence of truth, the origin of truth, the keeper of truth. He's like, okay, this is who's writing this letter. The one who is holy, the one who is true, the one who is the holder of the key. He goes on to say that what he opens, what Jesus opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. He's the holder of the key. This, in that uh, time frame, they would have understood this and even the connection to the Old Testament that it was the holder of a key that was able and only him was able to go into a, a room of treasures to unlock it in order to share it with people. To take people into a new realm that they had never been into and Jesus says, I am that one. I am the one that can do things in you now more than ever. I'm the one that can open because I have the key. I'm the one that can open that door into a new experience with him, to greater growth in him. And Jesus says, this is who I am. And then he says this, I know your deeds. He's letting them know, I know everything. Full and complete knowledge. Full and complete knowledge. This word entails that which one can gather, the knowledge one can gather by personal observation, by viewing someone. Recently I drove to my house and it was late one night, I'd been to church late and get home and discovered that someone had egged our house. And so my first thought was, not cool. My second thought was, that's not going to be fun cleaning up. My third thought was, now I'm going to check my phone and see if I can see on my app, which is connected to the camera, if I can see who it is. See, in this day that we live in, uh, so much of what we say and do is heard and seen, right? But not everything. But not everything. Long before and long after tech and AI, Jesus saw and sees everything. Everything. Full knowledge of everything. Let me ask you, how does that make you feel? I mean, even right now, how does that make you feel? To be reminded that Jesus sees and knows everything about you. Everything. Every thought you've ever had. Everything you've ever done. 
There are times when that makes me feel convicted. Like, oh, Jesus saw that? Yeah, he did. Oh, Jesus heard that? Oh, yes, he did. There are other times when that makes me feel comforted. That he sees and knows everything. I want to encourage you today that Jesus sees and knows everything. Everything. He sees your struggles, pain points, pressures. He sees what you're facing. Isn't that comforting to know that he sees and knows everything? Believers in this place, I want you to know that when you pray in secret and nobody else even knows, Jesus sees you. How awesome is that? When you fast in secret and no one else knows but you're just seeking more of him, guess what? Jesus sees and knows. When you sacrifice in order to help someone, he sees it. When you, when you, when you help someone anonymously, nobody else knows. You haven't even told maybe your closest friend or your spouse or, or who, a coworker that you did such and such for so-and-so. But Jesus sees it. How awesome is that? Believers in this place be comforted because he sees and knows everything. And he saw and knew everything that related to the Philadelphia church. Every single person in that church, he saw them, he knew them, he knew everything about them. Them as a church body, but them as individuals. He sees and knows everything. And get this, as he observed the church in Philadelphia, he really liked what he saw. That wasn't the case with all of these churches. But when it came to the church in Philadelphia, when Jesus had been observing them, walking among the church, and they didn't know that, but he was walking among them, he knew everything about them. He really, really liked what he saw. What did he see? Well, first of all, Jesus saw their potential. And he sees yours. Jesus saw their potential. Verse 8, we read this. Jesus says, see, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. Jesus saw their potential. See, Philadelphia was one of the greatest trade routes in the first century world. It connected Europe to Asia. It literally was an open door to the east. It literally was an open door. And you think of commerce and trade. It was an open door. Philadelphia was known for that. And that's where God had planted this church. And that's where God had raised up this group of believers that they were literally an open door. That fact did not get past God. God knew that. God knew exactly where they were located, that they were literally an open door for the gospel. And that fact actually wasn't missed by the believers either. And studying this found that the believers were convinced that, yes, they were an open door and a trading route to the east, but they, they were also and even more so, an open door to go to unreached areas. And so they decided to become a missionary sending church. They decided to say, you know what, we're here, God didn't mess up, we're here in Philadelphia for a reason. We're not in Sardis, we're not in Ephesus, we're not in any of those other places, we're in Philadelphia for some reason. They're like, I don't know why I got a job here, I don't know why I was born and raised here, I don't know, but here we are. And they're like, what in the world? Oh, God had a plan. God had opened up a door for them to be strategically in Philadelphia in order to be a sending church to send missionaries to unreached parts of the earth. Parts of the earth that had never heard about Jesus. I want you to consider for a moment the open doors that God has given you. 
Consider the family that he has placed you in, the education that you have, the workplace that you connect with, the neighborhood that you live in. These are all open doors. These are all things that God has strategically placed you in and given you open door in order to influence people with the love and the power of God. Consider for a moment that it wasn't just the Philadelphia church that God has strategically placed there. He has strategically placed you right where you're at to be an influence on the people who are around you. Consider how God has caused there to be an open door for our church to impact each other and to impact other people in this community and then beyond the borders of this community. God has given us an open door. He has strategically brought all of us together in order to be about his mission. Some of what we do, which is a part of his mission, is we pray. And we at times go to the ends of the earth and we all strategically come together in order to give. God has given us an open door to connect with hundreds of missionaries. We don't have to go around, we don't have to travel to, to um, Asia or, or to Australia or to other places of the earth in order to find some missionaries that we can support. We have missionaries knocking on our door waiting in line. And God has given us an open door in order to pray and to send and in 2022, our church had record missions giving. Together we gave $924,000 to missions in 2022. Record year. Check this. In 2023, we had another record year. Together we as a church in 2023 gave $932,398 to missions. Isn't that amazing? God gave us an open door in 2023. And we, by his grace, walked through it in any way that we could. And now we're in 2024. And I believe God has opened up doors for us. He's opened up doors for you and you and you and you and you and all of us. That we can have an invitation to know him more. You can know God more in 2024 than you did in 2023. You can experience God more in 2024 than you did in 2023. You can experience God now more than ever. God is giving us an open door as families, as individuals, as a church to be about his mission. And Jesus made it clear to the Philadelphia church, look, um, I, I hold the keys, Jesus is saying, and, and if I open a door, no one can shut that. And God has, he has turned the key, opened the door, and it's up to us to walk through it. Jesus saw their potential. And where they were strategically located, and he sees ours. He sees our potential as a church, our potential as people to influence those around us with the love and the power of God. Jesus also, we see in this passage, saw their predicament. He saw their present status. He saw what they were facing. He saw their predicament, and he sees yours. The next thing that Jesus said to them is that, I, I know you have little strength. I, I, he's like, I've been observing you, and I'm just saying, I, kn I know you have little strength. It's little, it's, the Greek word is from where we get the prefix for microscope, micro. Little, 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 little power, little ability, maybe little uh, seemingly opportunities. They were, many believe, little in number. There was not a large church. And they looked at themselves and like, well, what do we, well, what do we have to give? What can we do? And at the same time, they were facing all of the issues that Everybody faces at different times in life issues in family, issues in relationships, right? Issues at work. 
financial issues, health issues. They're dealing with all those things too. They were not immune to issues. And yet, when Jesus looked at them, he's like, I see where you're at. I know you have little strength, but, he, but he's observing that they are still standing strong. As they navigate through life day after day after day, yes, they have little strength in and of themselves. Yes, there's not much they can accomplish in and of themselves. But he saw something else. In the midst of all of that, he saw their progress. He saw their progress. He saw them continuing to move forward in the faith, even though they had little strength, even though they faced so many challenges. He saw them progressing forward, moving forward. And that's what God wants for you, to take a step, and then to take another step, and then to take another step. We talk a lot around here about next steps. Why? Because I believe God wants us moving. God wants us moving forward. Getting stronger in him, learning and growing. And Jesus, as he looked at this church, he saw that they were progressing and moving forward. And here's why. It's because they had committed themselves to the ABCs. They had said, we're doing these ABCs if it's the last thing that we do. We're going to do these ABCs because what else would we want to do? We're going to do these ABCs because we want to keep moving forward. We want to experience God now more than ever. So what are those ABCs? Well, we see them in this text, I believe. Start with A. That's where we begin. A, they were anchored in God's word. They were anchored in God's word. Jesus said, I know you have little strength, yet you have kept my word. You have kept my word. This word keep. Brings out the picture in that time of a detachment of soldiers who would gather around something or someone very, very important. They would stand watch, they would stand guard, and nothing and no one was gonna get through them because they were commissioned to protect, to treasure, to guard. And we kind of know what that feels like. There's probably uh, something or someone in your life that you guard and protect and treasure. It might be a child, that's a good one to protect and to treasure and to guard for my daughter Kayla. It's her, her blind, deaf dog. Let me add, dumb, that she protects that thing. Like if I want to do something to the dog, I want to play a trick on the dog, I want to be entertained by what the dog can or can't do, she's like holding it and just running away, guarding that dog. There might be a valuable in your home that you guard. Maybe you have in a safe deposit box. You have it in a place where it's guarded, it's treasured. We get that, right? Interestingly, Jesus uses this word in relationship to the word of God, in relationship to our scriptures. And he looks at them and says, you have kept my word. You have guarded my word. You have treasured my word, I, I'm reminded of the 119th Psalm where the writer says, I meditate on your precepts. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. I run in the path of your commands. I have set my heart on your laws. Guarding and treasuring the word of God as it really is a treasure. Let me ask you, is that you? Do you guard the word of God? Do you treasure it? Do you keep it? Do you guard time each and every day where you can spend time in it? 
Do you, do you take time consistently where, where, yes, we do this and we do this and we do all of that. And we know what's happening with the sports teams. And we know what's happening in the news. And we got all these things going on with the kids, all of these things. But do we guard moments each and every day where we enjoy being in his presence and reading his message to us? I am continually challenged by stories that come out of persecuted areas of our world, one in particular in China. One believer named Brother Yun was imprisoned and tortured for many years because he openly shared about Jesus. At one point he was placed in a tiny dark cell that was four feet high, four feet long, and three feet wide. I say cell more like a metal box is what he was placed in. One morning after being tortured again, the prison director came to his box saying, Yun, yesterday we had a meeting and decided to give you a Bible. Study it well and repent of your crimes so you can be useful. They were mocking him. But it was God's miraculous provision for this man. And Brother Yun knew that this was an absolute miracle in China. Because prison guards never give a Bible to a Christian prisoner. Listen to this. These are his words. For the next three months, I remained in isolation in this tiny cell. There was just a little bit of light that came through the window. But it was enough for me to read. In the first ten days... I read through the Bible. And I used this time to memorize a total of 55 chapters of the Bible from Hebrews to Revelation. Read through the Bible in 10 days, using the time to memorize 55 chapters of the Bible. It's like this He treasured God's word each day. Like he might not have it the next. Man, I read that. I was so challenged. I read God's word every day. Every day. But when I read that, I was like, do I read it in such a way that I might not be able to read it tomorrow? Whew. Jesus looked at the church in Philadelphia and he's like, what? This is a church that stands out because you all have guarded my word. You have treasured my word. You, you have loved my word. You have not let anything get in the way of you being in the word. And you are committed to obeying the word. The word of God is God's gift to you. It's unlike any other book that you will ever read because it is breathed by God himself. It will help renew your mind. It will help empower you for victory. God's word will help draw you into his close, close presence because it's the revelation of God to you. Living and active. Speaking to you right where you're at every single day. Because he loves. Jesus saw their progress. He saw they were committed to the ABCs. A. They were anchored in the word of God. I want to challenge you to be anchored daily in the Word of God. 
So much so that that can become a statement, a mantra for you in 2024. I am daily anchored in the word of God. I anchor daily in the word of God. I anchor daily in the word of God. And if you're saying, I I don't really have a reading plan. I haven't really started that. Hey, jump in. Right now I'm in Genesis and Matthew. We have a Bible uh, um, reading uh, portion of our app. You can jump on that or CCC app and get connected. Uh, Even today, pick up right where it's at. Begin reading. Those of you that are reading the Bible, keep doing it. So that throughout 2024 we can say, I anchor daily in the word of God. That's what I do. And as you do, you will experience now more than ever. Let's go to B. B is this, they bowed down to the lordship of Christ. Jesus said, you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. This is what he saw. They refused, they refused to deny or disown the name of Jesus. They refused, even in the midst of persecution, to deny that they were followers of Jesus Christ. Unashamedly, followers of Jesus Christ. Understand, in that culture, it was challenging. It would have been so easy in first century Philadelphia to go along with the crowd, to fit in with the culture. It would have been so easy for them to say, you know what, today I'm not going to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus who? It would have been so easy for them to do that. But they drew a line in the sand and said, you know what? I'm a follower of Jesus and so I'm going to live like that. There are going to be certain things that I do and certain things that I don't do because I'm a follower of Jesus. In that culture, in that time, some of the things that uh, the believers um, would commit to is this. They would refuse to participate in the Roman circus because of how humans were treated so shamefully in those events. They declined almost every event in the theater because of the depravity that was displayed. Many of them wouldn't even go to athletic events because the athletic events at that time had lots of nudity in them. They avoided the bathhouses because of the perversion. They they refused to go into the idol temples and they were viewed as unpatriotic. They were viewed as un-Roman because they refused to go into these temples and offer incense to false idols. They refused to, to be engaged with emperor worship and that at times would affect their employment and their buying and selling in the marketplace. But they decided, you know what, Jesus has saved me. I'm not going back to that. I'm drawing a line in the sand. And as a follower of Jesus, there are certain things that I do and certain things that I don't do. And each and every day, these people said, we're going to bow down to the lordship of Christ. He's king, we're not. He calls the shots, we don't. And Jesus noticed it. And he's like, oh, this church stands out. Wow, they have not denied my name, even though it would have been so easy to do so. They bowed down to the lordship of Christ. They anchored daily in the word of God and bowed down to the lordship of Christ. I know that right now we're in the midst of the NFL playoffs and uh, old timers here would remember uh, Vince Lombardi, right? Vince Lombardi, probably not too many Packers fans here, but this man was very successful. As he went into training camp, he would come before his players and say this, gentlemen, this is a football. Six months later, they beat the Giants 37-0 in the NFL championship game. And people have asked throughout the years, why would Vince Lombardi talk to these world-class 
athletes who had been playing football since they probably could walk and say to them, gentlemen, this is a football. Well, it's because of this. Vince Lombardi knew that to get where you're going to go, you got to start with the basics. If you want to get here, you better not miss here. Basically, he was teaching them the ABCs. This is a football. And for some of you here today, you might be hearing like, well, anchor daily in the word of God. Come on, I do that. Well, like, what's the deal? Or is that really going to affect me? Or maybe you're a new believer, you've been serving the Lord for 50 years, and you're like, what? It's a message for all of us. It's going back to the basics. It's saying, you know, without the basics, without the foundation, we're not going to get where we want to go. Gentlemen, this is a football. I would say, church, these are the ABCs. I anchor daily in the word of God. I bow down to the lordship of Christ, and then we get to see. I consistently connect with other Christ-like followers. I consistently connect with other Christ followers. How do we experience now more than ever? We commit ourselves to the ABCs, and there is no ABCs without the C. I consistently connect with other Christ followers. Jesus' letter we read about today was to the churches, plural. Churches uh, means in the Greek those who are called out. Those who are called out to be God's representatives in every city, in every state, in every nation. Called out. Called to come together. Called to encourage each other. Called to stand together. Called to be with each other. Called to be friends with each other. Called to unite with each other and be God's representatives on his earth. Church, we need to consistently connect with Christ followers because we were never meant to follow Jesus alone. Even Jesus, when he began his ministries, did this as one of the first things that he did, and that is he gathered together some people whom he had chosen to travel with him. Even Jesus did this. And we see this throughout the New Testament, that we are to gather together with other people, other people who are following the ways of Jesus, other people who acknowledge that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. This is huge. When we do that, when we do that, we help each other to not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. When we come together, we help each other to discern if there's selfishness or deception that has creeped into our lives. When we come together, we encourage each other. When we come together, we help each other keep the main thing the main thing in a world of distractions. God has called us to come together. To consistently connect with other Christ-like followers. And I, I, will, I will say this. Maybe you're watching online right now. You're here in person. And, and you're just kind of inventorying your life right now. And you're thinking about who you, you, who you connect with. Uh, you're thinking about how you spend your time. I want to encourage you in 2024, consistently connect with other Christ followers. Make it a priority for you. If you uh, come, let's say, once a month on Sundays, you come maybe twice a month on Sundays, I would encourage you, make it consistent. I get that there's vacation, there's sickness and those things that come up. But make it consistent. We need to be with each other. In the day and age that we live in, I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to become more and more and more and more vital. The first century church knew, hey, if they didn't stick together, if they didn't have deep friendships with each other, if they didn't encourage each other, out there in the world is going to be very difficult. I'm telling you, fast forward now to the 21st century, we're getting there. 
We need each other. We were created to need each other, to be in community with other Christ followers. Encourage you if you are not connected with a smaller group of believers. We call it group life around here. You're you're on a, a serve team. You're, you're you're in a life group. Maybe you're part of a Bible study. Maybe you're part of a, a women's group, a men's group. But you are connected with other Christ followers. I'm telling you, it is vital for us. It is part of the ABCs for us to experience now more than ever. We got to anchor daily in the Word of God. Bow down to the Lordship of Christ. He's King. I'm not. And consistently connect with other Christ followers. These are absolute foundational, basic building blocks. They are the way in which we will experience now more than ever. Whether you're a teenager, you're an adult. Let that be your commitment. Make some things even happen this week so that you're anchored daily in the word of God. You're bowing down to the Lordship of Christ. And you are consistently connecting with other Christ followers. These three are game changers. And you're saying, I'm already connected with the ABCs, Pastor Keith. Awesome. Help some others get there too. Because we're called to go and make disciples. Help some others get there too. Bring them alongside so they can join you in the ABCs. Imagine the impact that that can have in your family. If you as an individual are living out the ABCs. Imagine the impact that can have in our church if all of us are doing that. Come on. Imagine the impact in our communities. If there are people who are committed, anchored daily in the word of God, bowing down the lordship of Christ, consistently connecting with other Christ-like followers. Now more than ever. This week I got an email from someone in the church and she was talking about the now sign that's up here right now that I'm sure everybody has noticed. And she said she really liked it. And, and she had noticed during a part of the service that it said now, but if you, if you turn those words around, it's the word one. And this is what she wrote. And I, I, I want to share it with you. She said, I am encouraged that God is reminding me that as we seek him now more than ever, we can be assured that the battle has already been won by what he has done on the cross. He's already won. And he's calling us to now seek him like never before, to run toward him like never before, to trust in him like never before. Thank you for listening. You know, we believe God has something amazing in store for you today. And now is the perfect time to take a few moments and...